Fluent NYC presents the Be Fluent podcast, hosted by Marcia and Zina. Welcome back. This is episode 20 of the Be Fluent podcast. I am your host, Zina. And I'm Masha. Welcome. Today we're going to have you listen to the interview with Sinan and... Um, Kartal. Kartal. Sorry, oh. sorry. Um, so hopefully you reviewed the vocab. Yeah, don't, don't uh, be lazy. It's not too late to go back and review it. So yeah, um, you and Kartal are going to be talking about um, the coronavirus, right? And his gig... In, uh, in England with the NHS, where they were testing and tracing, you know, helping people get through the virus when they were uh, dealing with having it. Yeah, um, it's a really interesting interview, and um, it's nice to see a different perspective. And, and I guess most importantly, right, since this is a listening podcast, um, for you non-native speakers you're going to hear an accent which is believe it or not it's a native english accent right it's this guy's a native speaker but you might struggle to understand it it's a tough one i mean masha it's funny i was joking with her i I remember watching game of thrones with her so it's not necessarily it's not just scottish i think you struggle with a lot of the uh the uk is that about right but but that that just means that even native speakers can can struggle with it with it it's a very different dialect isn't it it is and it's funny because i actually uh spent quite a few winters and yeah like i uh in uh in england in london with my cousin who lives there so i i was exposed to different british accents didn't stick it didn't it's funny even cockney right which is actually kind of a london but like um the Irish accent is hard. Working for me. class London yeah. accent thing. Anyway, but so yeah, so pay attention real carefully. If you can, you go half speed on the on the interview maybe uh, for parts that are difficult. Uh, of course, always contact us if you if you have any questions. Um, like we said, review your vocabulary. You'll hear this sound every time one of the vocabulary words from our previous episode comes up. Um, and uh yeah so like i said review good luck and uh yeah we'll we'll be back with you afterwards see you so uh for this be fluent podcast interview first of all it's me sinan um, and we have an interesting guest Kartal, uh, Kartal Oer is a friend of mine. He's a, a fellow half Turk. Um, I, of course, my mother was born in Turkey, uh, and I grew up here in New York City. But Kartal, uh, his mother is Scottish, yep. and he grew up in Scotland. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, so my dad's uh, uh, from Turkey, and uh, my mum is from Scotland. And, uh, Basically, I, I, I may as well just to, I'll explain how my folks uh, they met, um, my parents met. So my my mum went on holiday in, to Turkey in nineteen ninety five in August, and my dad was a a, a doorman in a in a bar, and um, obviously they they liked they saw each other and they liked each other and um, 
Nice. A year later, my mum went over there, uh, maybe once or twice after that. And uh, a year later, so by uh, July 96, uh, my dad moved over to Scotland for good. Uh, they get married in the November. And then uh, June 98, they, they had me and my, my twin brother, Uzjan, uh, who's also a, a friend of Sinan's. That's right. Um, so, and they've been, they've, they've been married ever since and we've all... Uh, we've, we've lived in Scotland uh, our whole lives. That's right. So um, for our listeners, this is, you already now you know, uh, the, the secret is out. We have a Scottish guest. And so this is going to be a fun chance to hear a very different accent than we usually have on air. Uh, but again, a native English, right? Like the, he, he's, he speaks English as much as we do here. So... Uh, it's a great chance to hear something else uh, that you could always encounter in the real world. Um, but so, yeah, today we have, I guess, as our theme, we're talking coronavirus. Um, and Kartal has very interesting insight because he works for the, the British NHS, which is the National Health Service. Um, oh. And he works, especially helping sort of resolve people's needs with the coronavirus over the phone. Yeah. Um, so you let me, sorry, I'll hand it over to you. To, like, tell us a little bit about what you do over there. Right, so I, I work for uh, what we call NHS Test and Trace. So it was a service that was uh, created in order to uh, combat the coronavirus pandemic, which, we, uh, which has dominated all of our lives uh, for the last... I'd like to say eleven months or so now. Um, so basically, uh, I've had I've had a few job roles within uh, Test and Trace. The first job role was uh, phoning people who had been in contact um, with uh, positive cases of coronavirus, and advising them to isolate um, for for two weeks, uh, while also uh, getting some information such as their address, um, any symptoms they might be experiencing, and also uh, giving them some advice. Um, regarding uh, self-isolation in order to make it a, an easier experience for them and to make sure they have the support they need in order to uh, self-isolate. Uh, the, the second job I done was, uh, it was called the isolation follow-up. So uh, basically the first the first one was me telling contacts of confirmed cases to isolate. Uh, the, second, the second job was uh, basically phoning people during their isolation so with uh, later on, isolation was actually shortened from 14 days to 10 mm -hmm. uh, for both positive cases and contacts. So on days 4, 7 and day 10, um, both contacts and uh, uh, positive cases <coughs> of coronavirus uh, would, get a, would get phone calls uh, on those days I mentioned. Uh, just a quick check-up to see how they're feeling. If they're having any issues uh, getting um, essential items such as food, and uh, medication to the house while isolating, and um, also just uh, asking them how they're uh, how they're getting on if they're feeling okay, um, giving them giving them some advice if they're not uh, feeling so good, and in general just uh, making sure uh, that they are um, sticking to the isolation rules. Yeah. Uh, the third the third uh, job role I done there was actually it was a uh, it's a bit of a, a promotion, so it was um, nice. congratulations, uh, yeah. <laughs> So it was, a, it was a tier two call handler. So I said before that I did do the initial call for the contacts of confirmed cases. 
Uh, but I was later promoted to doing uh, the initial call for uh, confirmed positive coronavirus cases. So th- th- these calls were a lot more detailed uh, than the calls I-, I mentioned before. So what I'd do is I'd phone them up, um, just uh, log down their details such as address, um, date of birth, that kind of stuff. Ask them about any symptoms uh, that they're experiencing and then uh, telling them uh, what their isolation <coughs> date is. So that would be the last day uh, they need to isolate. So uh, I don't know how they do it in the States, but for us it's uh, 10 days from the first day of your symptoms. And in the event that you are asymptomatic, uh, which means you don't, do not have any coronavirus symptoms, uh, it'd be 10 days from the day of your test. And from there, uh, what I do is actually I take out a list and get uh, gather the details of all the people uh, the positive case lives with. Um, so that uh, Test and Trace would be aware of these people and uh, they'd be aware, the, the, the te- people that run Test and Trace would be aware uh, that these people would need to isolate. And we'd li- also list if they had any visitors, which is actually against the law just now, so that wouldn't be advised. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, um, we also, um, after that, uh, we done, uh, we checked where the person was two days prior. Uh, to them either showing symptoms or a positive test to see um, who they've been in contact with. So if they've been to work, uh, who they were in contact with during the infectious period. So the test and trace could then later uh, contact them and um, tell them to isolate. So uh, we'd also um, do something called backwards tracing, which is actually um, finding out uh, what the person done the the week prior. Uh, to then catching the virus to maybe um, obviously the people that analyse the data for testing trace would see if there's numerous people that have been in the same place at the same time and they've caught the virus and maybe if there's been a lot of viruses a lot of uh, sorry cases in a particular area uh, testing trace would investigate them wow uh, to, to see maybe if they're not following protocol uh, regarding coronavirus that's amazing um and so this is fascinating, like on a lot of levels, because underlying, like what you're not even saying is that this is a free service for everybody in the UK. And so yeah. the reason I'm, I'm sort of interested in this is that like here in the United States, I'm not sure if you're aware, but like we don't have an NHS, you know, <laughs> um, there is yeah. some sort of like government help for for health care insurance and there are public hospitals but um only few people have access to that health care you know like there are very few politicians who are even fighting for us to have that kind of health care you, you obviously you've heard of like bernie sanders and uh yeah. like ocasio cortez people like that but um it's really a pretty small group and what's interesting is that a lot of the people who kind of argue against that talk about how it's like not um efficient and how people have long waits and they they say a lot of sort of negative aspects but everything you're describing like we have nothing like this and in fact i've had coronavirus uh, my wife and i and our daughter and um there was nobody con like we had to call our doctor just to get like his opinion, and then he was basically just like, "Oh, you you have it." Like that, he he had no doubts essentially. Yeah. But then beyond that, there was no following up of anything. I I personally found an app that like the that New York State 
you know, not the federal government, um, but that our state created and, you know, like, like got sort of advice from it. But I don't even think I ever, like, registered anywhere as, like, maybe my doctor notified someone, you know, but there was never any follow-up. So um, as far as efficiency, it sounds like you have the one-up, you know, you're winning <laughs> uh, in that one. Uh, but so I guess other, like, you guys in England have recently experienced a lockdown and like here in the United yeah. States there's a lot of talk of that but so look, what does that what does that mean in the UK so uh, what, what a lockdown is is uh, basically all non-essential businesses closed down uh, which means that uh, obviously they need to uh, stop operation um, the exceptions are obviously supermarkets uh, pharmacies um, and all stay open um, essential businesses for uh, such as uh, actually, my dad, um, he, he owns a mobile phone repair shop. Uh, that is deemed as an essential business nice. because obviously uh, now more than ever, um, communication is key and people need yeah. to be able to communicate with all loved ones. So uh, my dad's uh, very lucky that his business uh, has been uh, given essential status. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically just your essential businesses, so uh, like a me- mechanics, that kind of, those kind of places there are to stay open, mechanics, uh, pharmacies. Restaurants are shut. It's uh, delivery only, so you're delivery. not even allowed to take away. So the, uh, uh, restaurants are only open for takeaway. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's uh, just eat, Uber Eats, that kind of stuff. I don't know if you have that in the states. Um, no, <laughs> we have no rules. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. Like we have a lot of advisories. Um, I mean, recently, which it's weird because we've just. We're not even over this big peak here. Um, I won't talk numbers on air. I'll do all of that like in the preamble, so whatever. But um, we, they just recently allowed people to go into restaurants in New York State, even though, like I just said, like we're not even yeah. past this. So they've, yeah. they've, they've taken a very different approach. And again, it's very, it's very local. It's in the United States, it's state by state, different rules, yeah. which it makes sense. It's a big country and you have different numbers, but... Um, yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. I mean, yeah. overall, do you feel like in the UK people are satisfied with how it's been handled? Uh, do people like like understand the dangers out there and like are not too angry about being locked down? Yeah. You know, is there pushback here? Obviously, you've heard of in some places there have been crazy pushback, and others where it's been pretty smooth. But um, yeah, I mean, how is that going? So I think the, the main problem in the UK is uh, people are dissatisfied, especially at, at the start of the pandemic. Uh, Boris Johnson had a very laid-back attitude towards it. I don't know if you uh, uh, recall, mm-hmm. but he said uh, he famously said uh, we just we just need to take it on the chin. Um, yeah, he was like the, I'm, he was like shaking hands intentionally. Yeah, and stuff, right? yeah, and he sh- yeah, and obviously I thought. Uh, speaking to his advisors uh, a couple of weeks later they, st- they went back from that and decided to lock down there was a feeling within especially that first wave they had Boris locked down earlier they could have saved a lot of lives mm-hmm. uh, which was true and uh, the same goes for this lockdown that's happened now um, basically uh, I mean we've lost in our country we've lost 116,000 people uh, to coronavirus that's a lot of life for a country that's uh, its population is roughly around 65 million wow. um, in the UK. So we've lost an awful lot of life. Um, 
The same goes for the second mile in, in October. Uh, we were, they were advised to, because obviously they opened everything back up over the summer. Uh, bars, so for, uh, as you said, bars and restaurants are open in you, uh, New York State, but for us, uh, during our lockdown, all bars, restaurants, so, uh, shopping centres, uh, clothes shops, they're all shut. Um, wow. Um, so basically, over over the summer, they reopened the bars, uh, hair salons, uh, shopping centres, that kind of stuff. And uh, for a while, the virus, not the the number, the case number stayed uh, uh, low, but uh, August going into September, they started rising again. And uh, by October, uh, the specialists were advising that we do go into another lockdown, but uh, Boris waited until uh, November to go into a lockdown. And then they've just done that for a month and uh, reopened in December. And then uh, basically... Uh, it went, the numbers went crazy so between December and January there was a huge spike in cases and it it peaked at uh, 68,000 cases uh, on the 8th of January but uh, we most recently went into a third lockdown on the 5th of January and now that's resulted in our cases so as I said that's non that's all non-essential but business has been shut um, so that's us we're down to about 13,000 cases a day and uh, we're also doing very well with our vaccination program. Uh, right. So so far, uh, we've had uh, 13 million people uh, vaccinated in wow. a country of 66 million. So huh. uh, almost half. That's crazy. Yeah. So we're doing we're doing really well uh, in regards to uh, vaccinations. Uh, so hopefully wow. uh, uh, by 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 the summer uh, we can get some sort of uh, normality back in our lives and uh, start. Uh, Moving on from this, uh, this horrible uh, uh, pandemic. Interesting. Um, yeah, thank you so much for the insight, Cartel. I mean, yeah. obviously, another point was the the British variant, um, yeah. I, you know, which probably contributed to those numbers you talked about with the peak and everything, right? Like, was there yeah. briefly? Yeah, like, was there a oh. big fear about that? You know, how did that yeah, settle in? So basically, that that is the main reason for this uh, most recent lockdown, and the, that variant became uh, dominant in the UK. And the, the scary thing about that variant is it's seventy uh, percent uh, more and more contagious than the previous variant. So that's why they they were uh, so scared, and uh, I think greatly so went into another lockdown. Is uh, which is is it's not it's, you don't want to do it, but it's the most effective way of dealing with a pandemic until you yeah. can vaccinate enough people. To where uh, you achieve some sort of health immunity. Yeah, I mean, I see images of New Zealand, you know, where they're they have yeah. sporting events and they're just they're 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 back, you know, and that yeah. it gets you a little angry because it shows you that with proper governance and just like lo- yeah. just being strict and doing what needs to be done and not yeah. necessarily worrying about what what people are gonna say, uh, yeah. you just it uh, can be done. Uh, I forgot to, I forgot to add this earlier on. So the main difference between New Zealand and the UK is obviously they locked down straight away. Yeah. But for me, the key part, part for them is anyone, uh, this is going back to last year when the pandemic first started, anyone that came into, uh, you weren't allowed out in New Zealand and anyone that came in had, was, was taken away to quarantine in a, a quarantine hotel for 14 days. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's, uh, we're only talking about implementing that now. Had we implemented wow. that uh, last year at the start of the pandemic, um, 
for a, for a start, it would have stopped people coming over. Uh, I, I think a, a key a key thing to uh, prevent the spread of the pandemic is locking up borders. So had we taken those measures that New Zealand did, where we had the strict uh, quarantine rules, where if you were to enter the country, um, you'd need to stay in a, 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 secu- a hotel with security for 14 days and you weren't allowed out there. I think that would have been greatly beneficial in stopping the uh, uh, the spread of the virus. Cause Absolutely. We, like last summer, we, we almost had it down, down to zero, but then uh, people started going on holiday, they started coming back, yep. bringing yep. the virus back into the country. And then like, from there, it slowly multiplied again. So if we uh, kind of had a similar tactic to uh, New Zealand with the hotel quarantines and uh, uh, not allowing anyone in it, I think, uh, I mean, it would have been a lot more effective and we wouldn't have been, we wouldn't be in the situation we're in now with uh, 111,000 uh, deaths. And maybe we could have been having uh, football matches with uh, attendance and uh, some concerts and stuff like that. But That's right. As you said, yeah. it just shows uh, with the correct leadership and uh, well, I, I'd say more than anything, the bravery to do the right thing. Yeah. Um, the, the courage, rather. That'd be a, a better word. The courage mm-hmm. to do the right thing. Uh, results can be achieved. And uh, New yeah. Zealand's a great example of that. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you so much, Cartel. Uh, we, we're keeping this brief. Uh, so thanks for giving us some of your time. Uh, it's uh, no great worries. to hear uh, from you. Uh, and yeah, I mean, again, you guys are relatively speaking doing a lot better. You know, the the peak has been looks like it's being handled. The the numbers are getting much better, much more rapidly here in the U.S. That's not the case. I'll yeah. talk about numbers and stuff um, off off the air here, but uh, nonetheless, thank you so much, Cartel. Um, yeah, peace out, man. <laughs> ah, cheers, man. Wow, that was that was awesome. Um, I do admit that it was a struggle for me, but when I you you know when you really focus, it, it was a really interesting interview. And he's so nice, and I think it's great that that the healthcare system is so good in in Europe. Certainly much better than here. Um, but yeah, I mean the good news also, of course, is that it was a success story. Uh, much of the country is vaccinated. They're, they're one of Europe's uh, success stories. They haven't had one of the, like much of Europe has had another wave, they have not. So it shows the strength of the vaccine. Um, so yeah, I mean, thanks again to Cartel. Thanks very much um, for, for, for doing this interview with us. Um, and yeah, of course, uh, stay tuned for more from all of us. Uh, like I said, go back and listen to it um, at half speed if you have difficulty with some parts. Ask us questions, review the vocabulary. And yeah, we will be back soon. What's up next, Masha? Yeah, so we're going to be talking to Rebecca. Um, and she is a wonderful person. And uh, we're going to be talking about growing up first generation in the U.S. Oh, okay. That's maybe about her French tutoring business or her experiences traveling in France recently. But maybe that'll come up in the conversation. Anyway, um... Yeah, but so we're going to wrap this thing up anyway. Uh, we'll be back soon, hopefully very soon. We're going to try to be really be- much better about our timing. But um, we will be back eventually. Um, remember to follow us on Twitter. First of all, follow our guest um, on Twitter. He's at 
Kartal, K-A-R-T-A-L, L, over, O-G-U-R. Um, and of course, you can also find him on Instagram, uh, Kartal Ogre, K-A-R-T-A-L-O-G-U-R. It's actually over, it's the silent G in Turkish, but um, that doesn't compute, I guess. I don't know people's keyboards. Anyway, but so yeah, that's how you find him. How do people find us, Masha? So on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, it's at BeefluentNYC. And of course, on Twitter, you can find us at Fluent podcast one word um but yeah i don't think there's much else to say besides that other than of course uh, i'll be back for the next episode and we promise to do the same <laughs> yeah thanks for listening bye everyone Listen in. I hope you like this episode. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye bye.